This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock in Hayesville, North Carolina, and elsewhere on the East Coast. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the ninth day of May 2023. We're back, uh, at least for a couple of days. Uh, I am heading out uh, for the state of Texas uh, on Thursday. So we are here today and tomorrow and then I'm going to be gone for um, the the rest of this week and all of next week uh, as my wife and I go out to uh, visit friends uh, and family out in uh, El Paso, Texas, going, going to the front lines uh, of the immigrant uh, uh, problem here in the United States with the uh, 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 government regulations about to expire and they're expecting a big problem. I, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, I saw an interesting... I don't want to get too far into this, but I saw an interesting uh, article this weekend that said, you know, the problem isn't that we have uh, too many people crossing the border and too many uh, immigrants coming into this country. It's that we don't have enough. Um, and it was an interesting take, and... If you look around the country right now, and if you look at all the issues that we are having uh, with trying to hire people, I mean, we went out to dinner the other night, and they're not—they uh, didn't even—they weren't even seating everybody in the entire restaurant. They part of the restaurant was empty because they didn't have enough wait staff uh, to take care of an entire restaurant. You go into stores; they're understaffed. The local fast food place uh, by us had two people working the other day because they can't get enough help. So, you know, uh, I, I don't, you know, some of this I think is a uh, still a product of the COVID thing where people started working from home and people started saying, hey, screw this. I don't like my job. I'm going to do something else. I could die tomorrow. Um, but it was an interesting take on it. I did, you know, and look, I have no issue with immigrants. This country was built on immigrants. Right. It, it was. I mean, you know, the, every one of us that is here was here because of an immigrant, um, you know, but there is a process and it has to be done legally. And that's that's my only issue. But but, you know, for the people that are here illegally now, there's got to we got to figure out a path. We got to figure it out and we've got to figure out a way. Look, if that can take care of our labor problem here in the United States, we'd be kind of silly not to do it. But uh, it was just an interesting take. But anyway, so thanks for coming back. Uh, uh, I know the, the audience is a little bit smaller than usual this morning because everybody probably thought I died. Um, but uh, we put a deck on the house. It's about 85% finished. I've still got some work to do when I get back. But uh, uh, it is <laughs> it's beautiful. But, my God, I am way too old for this. Uh, thank God for my, my stepson, Alex, who came up from Florida. A couple of his friends were here uh, as well. 
James and Joey, and uh, they did a great job, and and it's uh, it's been fun. But I know I just I discovered I am way too old to be bending over like that for long periods of time and schlepping lumber, and but uh, uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Anyway, all right, so let's get to sports. Um, so over the weekend, Bob Huggins was on a Cincinnati radio station talking about the transfer portal and the uh, chance of getting a player from uh, Xavier, a a rival of the University of Cincinnati, where Bob Huggins used to coach. Uh, you know, and of course, after he left Cincinnati, he went to West Virginia, his alma mater. Uh, and he has been there since 2007. However, when he was talking about Xavier, he dropped a couple of homophobic slurs. Not once, but twice. And needless to say, people lost their minds. And whether, you know, look, there's no excuse for that to go on a public forum like that. And, you know, you start, you know, using homophobic slurs. You just don't do that, especially in 2023 with what's going on in this country. And uh, you just don't do it. Bob Huggins is 69 years old. Bob Huggins uh, dances to the beat of a different drummer. I have met Bob Huggins a couple of times, and he can be very funny, but he can be very, very crass. Uh, and he showed that on the air. Now the question becomes, if you are West Virginia, what do you do? In my mind, they don't have any choice here. Bob Huggins has to get fired. And I I don't say this lightly. Okay, I, I never advocate for somebody losing their job. However... And I saw this uh, an example uh, in a column this weekend that was in the USA Today. If the president of West Virginia University, University of West Virginia, did this, he would be fired. If the athletic director at West Virginia went on a radio show and said the same things, he would be fired. If the head of any major corporation in this country went out uh, on social media or on a radio show or a television show and said these things, they would be fired because the company cannot afford that kind of bad publicity. So if you're West Virginia and you know if your president did it, if your AD did it, they'd be gone. How can you retain your basketball coach, who is a little bit farther down the pecking order. He has to go. It would, it's a hell of a way for his career to end. This is a guy that just got inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame last year. But, and, and as some, look, he's only six years older than I am. Okay? But when you get... To a point sometimes, and I, you know, I always say I don't want to be the get-off-my-lawn guy, right? I don't want to be the dinosaur. You know what I mean? Um, but when you look at what has happened here, what else can you say than Bob Huggins is a dinosaur who has lost touch 
with reality, has lost touch, well, not maybe not reality, but you have lost touch with what is going on in this country and the fact that you are uh, supposed to be molding young minds, you have to be better than that. You have to be. And if you are West Virginia, you have to separate yourself from what was said. And look, I give, I'll give Bob Huggins credit for the following. Uh, he issued a statement yesterday and took full responsibility. And he said, as I have shared with my players over my 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our words and actions, and I will fully accept any coming my way. I'm ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I've hurt. I must do better, and I will. Yes, you must. But, but at the end of the day, he's look, he knows. I am sure as soon as he got off the air and somebody said, yo, what the hell were you thinking? I'm sure he said, oh, God, oh, God. Right? No, there's no doubt that's what he said. He knows what's coming. And it means the end of his coaching career. At 69 years old, having said something like that, you are not going to get hired somewhere else. Uh, and, and it'll be a hell of a way for his career to end, but what choice does West Virginia have? I don't think, I don't think they have any. West Virginia, you know, came out yesterday and said, you know, the, the athletic department issued a statement, obviously, and said In, insensitive offensive doesn't represent university values. No kidding. Uh, and it says the situation is under review and will be addressed by the university and its athletic department. I fully expect, if not today, then tomorrow we will find out that uh, Bob Huggins has been relieved of his duties at West Virginia. And... Uh, I want to say I'm sad for him. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, again, uh, and I kind of am, but at the same time, he knows. You know, sometimes we screw up, and sometimes, and there are consequences. That's something we, by the way, we need to teach our young children. It's the same thing when I was working in athletics, you know, at, at, at Division One universities, and I always had to counsel kids: Hey, be careful what you say on social media. Be careful what you say to a reporter. Be careful what you say to your friends when somebody might be around and listening. Because when you do things like this, especially on social media, it's something you will carry around like luggage for the rest of your life. And we have seen numerous examples of that, of, of kids that have done stupid things and said stupid things when they were in high school, and it has caused them to lose jobs. It has caused them to lose scholarships. It has caused them to lose uh, uh, professional opportunities in sports because something comes to light that you did or said when you were young. Bob Huggins is 69 years old. He knows better. So he knows what's coming. It's a sad way for his career to end, but I, I don't think there's any other way that, that it can happen than that. Um, the other thing we didn't have a chance to talk about last week because I wasn't here um, was the situation with the, the University of Alabama baseball team uh, when they had to fire their coach, Brad Bohannon, uh, because of gambling. And then news comes down yesterday that the University of Iowa 
has 26 athletes across five sports that are suspected of wagering on sports in violation of NCAA rules and that there are more than 100 people that have been linked in this investigation. Iowa State acknowledged that uh, they had 15 of their athletes in three sports. Same problem. Now, in case you didn't know, the NCAA does not allow athletes, coaches, or staff to bet on any sport, whether it's professional, college, amateur, whatever, if the NCAA conducts a championship in that sport. So, for instance, because there is a basketball national tournament that we know so well, March Madness, you can't bet on any basketball game, be it high school, college, or pro. And by the way, that also includes pools for the NCAA tournament. You know how, like, everybody fills a bracket out? Right? When you are, uh, you know, everybody, you know, for March Madness, everybody's got their brackets. It is illegal if you work or play at an NCAA institution to bet or, you know, to put in $10 in a pool and the winner of the March Madness bracket gets all that money. That's a violation of NCAA rules. So the 25 years I worked in college athletics, I could not do that. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't fill a bracket out because we all like to do that. But what I couldn't do was get into any kind of a situation or a pool that involved money. You could not, or any kind of a prize. You can't do it. So, huge problem. And it this is, look, <coughs> and I know that, excuse me, I know that I have harped on, the whole gambling thing and you know I have my own issues with gambling and I don't gamble because I don't like losing money uh you know and my attitude is unless you can afford to lose it don't gamble it well I am not in a position in my life where I feel like hey if I want to blow a hundred bucks uh gambling on an NFL game that I can do that I don't feel that I have that ability if I'm going to spend a hundred bucks it's going to be to get something tangible in return Right. Uh, you know, and, and maybe I'd win anyway. Maybe I'd win and, you know, but it's a very slippery slope. Um, so but the diff- but the the situation with Brad Bohannon at Alabama was completely different. And this is where I have been screaming from the mountaintop since all this, you know, since the Supreme Court said that uh, uh Legalized betting on sports should occur, and we we currently have it legal in 33 states. This is a multi-billion-dollar industry. But what's happened at Alabama is exactly what I have always worried about. And what has happened in the past, we have had gambling uh, scandals in the past where games have been thrown. Now, there is no and, – and Iowa has been quick to point out, by the way – that none of these situations that they are dealing with has anything, there's no evidence of uh, match fixing or suspicious wagering activity or anything like that. This has just been kids going out and, and betting on sports 
that the NCAA sponsors a championship and, and it's against NCAA rules. And these people could – look, these kids could lose their eligibility. Uh, some of the kids that are involved in this are, you know, supposed to be in upcoming conference and NCAA tournaments, and they have been told they will not be able to participate while the investigation is going on. But Brad Bohannon in Alabama, this is different because get this one. They, University of Alabama was playing in a, uh, a big baseball game against LSU. Um, it, this, this happened back on April the 28th. And just before the game, Alabama scratched the guy who was supposed to be the starting pitcher. LSU ends up winning the game 8-6. to six. Well, when this was all going on, there was some suspicious activity on the gambling boards about this game. It was such that a watchdog group flagged it and led Pennsylvania and New Jersey to stop even taking bets on that game because they felt something fishy was going on. Well, ESPN says that they have surveillance video from the sports book, which, by the way, is in Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, a baseball ballpark. You got to love that, right? And I've said that all along. It's you know that, that Major League Baseball is allowing sports book into an actual ballpark is incredible. But they have surveillance video from this sports book that says, or that that appears to indicate that the person. who placed these suspicious bets was actually communicating with the Alabama baseball coach, Brad Bohannon, at the time. Wow. So needless to say, Alabama had no choice but to fire their baseball coach. How often... Is this going to happen? Uh, you know, I, I hope it doesn't happen a lot. I don't think it'll happen a lot, but I hope we don't end up getting a situation like this again. How about if, you know, look, NCAA tournament. Let's just throw a hypothetical out there. We're in the final four. And the uh, the coach decides that uh, all of a sudden his substitution pattern gets a little weird. And there's people in the game that ordinarily wouldn't be in this game. You know, and they end up losing the game. And people are questioning the coach at the end. Why was this guy in the game? And he tries to come up with some explanation. Now, it might be a legitimate explanation, but it's one of those things that's going to raise red flags. There's going to be times when strange things are going to happen in college and professional games. How many times have we watched an NFL game or an NBA game where we have heard people say and we have read stuff on the Internet afterwards, oh, my God, the refs are paid, this is fixed, yada, yada, yada. You know, everything is scripted, yada, yada. How many times have we heard that? And with gambling – how long is it going to take before we have some kind of a scandal? Whether it's real or perceived, 
because all of these leagues, professional leagues at least, are in bed with sports books. How long is it going to take? Now, to be clear, what's going on in Iowa and Iowa State right now is not that. This is just kids going out and gambling, and they, you know, half of them probably didn't even know the rule, although although that's always told. But they probably could have, you know, plausible deniability and said, uh, uh, you know, oh, well, I didn't know. Okay. But I'm concerned about situations like what happened at Alabama with Brad Bohannon, what could potentially happen in a game in college. Look, uh, we have had situations in the past where players in college have been paid to help throw a game. It could happen. You throw a kid enough money, it could happen. I'm not saying it's going to, and I'm not trying to say the sky is falling. But this is the kind of stuff that you worry about, and you know the things like the Alabama baseball coach. Uh, and and you know he had. There's been radio silence from him since this happened. I would, you know, we may never know exactly what it was that happened. Because if you're Alabama, obviously you want to make this go away as quickly as possible, which is exactly what they did by firing Bohannon. But man, what a mess! And just buckle up because it's not the last time you've heard about messes like this. Uh, okay, stuff that on the field, on the courts, on the ice last night. Uh, the Lakers took a three to one series lead last night, beating the Golden State Warriors. 104 to 101. And, you know, everybody knows about Anthony Davis. Everybody knows about LeBron James. But it was Lonnie Walker who was the hero for the Lakers last night. He scored all 15 of his points in the fourth quarter. He went six for nine in the fourth quarter. This is a guy who started the season in the starting lineup for the Lakers. Then he got hurt. By the time he came back, he was kind of the forgotten man. He wasn't even part of the rotation anymore. Didn't play at all in game one. Played a little bit in game two. I think he scored eight or nine points. Uh, game three came out, scored 12. This is a guy who averaged 12 points a game all season. Scored 15 in the fourth quarter last night, and the Lakers win. Game five, Wednesday night in San Francisco. And the Lakers, who with about 15 games left in the season, were on the outside looking in of the playoffs. It didn't even look like they were going to get in. Now, the Warriors, the defending champs, obviously have not had a great season. They are seeded sixth. But in order for them to have a chance to defend their NBA title, they are going to have to win three in a row and come back from a 3-1 deficit. They've only done that one other time. They did it in the 2016 Western Conference Finals. Uh, look, Golden State had a you know had a lead of uh, I think they led by ten or twelve late in the third quarter, and the Lakers just took it to them. This is a magical run for the Lakers right now. I mean, look, LeBron James big game last night, twenty seven points. Anthony Davis had a double double, twenty three and fifteen. Lakers are a seven seed, and they are one game away from advancing. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, same thing in the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat are an eight seed. 
They beat the Knicks last night 109-101. to They are up three games to one. They could close this thing out on Wednesday as well. Look, they are just, I believe they are the second team. No, I checked that. They are the fourth team in this playoff format. It's the 40th year they've been doing it like this. They are the only the fourth team that's been an eight seed to win seven games in a playoff. In a playoff, and one of the teams to do it, by the way, the Knicks, the team they beat last night, uh, they won 12 uh, as an eight seed when they and they made it to the NBA Finals. Memphis did it in 2011, and Philly did it in 2012. But the Knicks are are in trouble. And everybody said before the the playoffs started, how the hell are the Miami Heat an eight seed? You know, and nobody wants to play the Miami Heat. Well, <laughs> uh, it has come to uh, it has come to pass. They are now one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. The Boston Celtics uh, with a uh, in a two two series with the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. They resume that tonight. Celtics trying to take a 3-2 lead uh, as it returns uh, to get it back to Boston uh, and hopefully win this thing in six or seven. Look, the Celtics had a chance to put this thing away. James Harden killed them over the weekend with that big three-pointer, uh, and they beat the Celtics in overtime. Uh, look, the Celtics have no excuses here. You know, with uh, They got so close last year, their roster is the best in the NBA. And with the with the Milwaukee Bucks out of the way, the Boston Celtics have no excuses. They have got to get by this 76ers team. They could have swept this series and yet it's 2-2. It's unbelievable. So they have got they've got to get it done and uh then they'll get to play the Miami Heat. That's going to be a very very interesting season. But two two lower seeds, a 7 and an 8, one game away from making the conference finals. 31 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to a Wake Up Call. I am your beat up host, Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. I am uh, got going to see my massage, massage therapist. I cannot wait for that to uh, work out some of the kinks uh, from uh, the deck building and uh, try to get my body in some kind of shape, getting ready for that trip to Texas. As I said, we will be here today and tomorrow. Uh, Barb and I are leaving Thursday morning at uh, some ungodly hour to begin a 21-and-a-half-hour uh, drive to El Paso, Texas. Why am I driving, you ask? Because Barb and I hate to fly. We don't fly anywhere we absolutely don't have to. And uh, I've never been to El Paso. I've been to Texas. I've driven through many parts of Texas. But it'll be an interesting drive, something new. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of driving. But, hey, uh, I like seeing the country. I've driven across the country a couple of times. So uh, a little bit of an adventure, and we're going to stop in Waco, Texas, on the way back. So uh, Barb can uh, worship at the shrine of uh, Joanna Gaines in Waco, Texas, on the way back. So uh, so we're here today, we're here tomorrow, and then we're going to be off for the rest of this week and all of next week while we're in Texas. Uh, but then we'll be back on our regular schedule and. Uh, I think I'm going to be here for the rest of the summer. At least I hope so. Uh, baseball. The uh, Boston Red Sox found out yesterday uh, Masa Yoshida was named the American League Player of the Week uh, for last week. In six games, he went 12 for 25. Uh, two doubles, two homers, eight runs batted in, scored seven. Uh, 
he remember we were worried about, or at least I was, you know, and a lot of people thought that the Red Sox overpaid for this guy. Well, all of a sudden, uh, Yoshida is hitting 321. 321. He's slugging uh, uh, 403. And, I mean, his OPS is, or I mean, he's no, he's slugging 536. His on-base percentage is 403. So he's got an OPS of 939. Yeah, we were worried. Here's the most amazing thing about Yoshida. According to a baseball savant, Yoshida has not swung and missed at a pitch since the start of May. I repeat, he has not swung and missed in eight days. That's amazing. You know, think about it. I mean, you know, he has not swung and missed. <laughs> that doesn't even seem possible. Uh, he also has a 16-game hitting streak right now, which is the longest active streak in in the bigs. Um, the National League Player of the Week was Sean Murphy of the Atlanta Braves. And guess what? The two of them will meet as the Red Sox and the Braves begin a two-game series in Atlanta starting tonight. I would have loved to have been there, Barbara, and I thought about going. But with the trip to Texas, we just got too many things going on uh, to try to take that in. So uh, I'm going to have to miss uh, the Red Sox trip to Atlanta uh, this year, we did go down last year, which was great. So uh, uh, sad to be missing it, but uh, be able to watch that one tonight. Uh, somebody please tell me when the Tampa Bay Rays are going to come back to earth. The Rays went again yesterday. It was a battle of the top two teams in the American League East, the Rays and uh, the Baltimore Orioles, which still just saying that boggles my mind. Um, Tampa Bay wins last night 3 nothing. They are now 29 and 7. 29 and 7. They're 19 and 3 at home, 10 and 4 on the road. They are winning, they have won almost 81% of their games. This is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, last night it was Shane McClanahan. He got the start, six innings. He became the first seven game winner in the majors this year. Uh, gives up four hits, strikes out seven. He walked four. He didn't give up a run. Lowered his ERA to 1.76, and then uh, uh, the bullpen does, does their thing. Uh, they have been so, so – this is the thing about Tampa that's so amazing. Yes, they've they've run out great starter after great starter, but the fact that they can continue to bring these guys out of the bullpen. Last night it was uh, Colin Pochet, Kevin Kelly, and then Jason Adam – Struck out the side in the ninth inning to pick up his fourth save of the season. Uh, it's unbelievable. Kyle Gibson pitched well for the Orioles. Uh, only gave up two in six innings. Uh, but uh, he takes the loss, falls to four and two. But just unbelievable what they are doing right now. Uh, Josh Lowe with a home run. Luke Rayleigh with a home run. Um, and a sacrifice fly um, by Wander Franco. And that was it. And uh, Tampa continues to go. Look, the Red Sox, how about this? I mean, this is, th think about this. The Red Sox had an eight-game winning streak, and they have won eight of nine. They have gained exactly a half a game on the Tampa Bay Rays since they started that winning streak. Right? 
unbelievable. The Red Sox sit in fourth place. They are eight games back. They're six games over 500, and they are eight games back in the American League East. It is mind-boggling. And if you're the Red Sox, you got to, I mean, or 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 the or Toronto, or the Yankees, or Baltimore, or whoever, you've got to be saying to yourself, "What in the hell do I got to do?" Think about this. The Red Sox now at 21 and 15, okay, would be in first place or tied for first place in four of the other five divisions in baseball. The only one they wouldn't be in first place would be the National League East. The New York Yankees are 19 and 17. They're in last place in the American League East. They'd be in second place in the, in the National League East. I mean, that's that's how good the American League East is. Every team is over 500. By the way, that has never happened uh, in the history of baseball that one division has had every team over 500. And at the end of the day, I, you know, will that happen this year? I Look, I don't see any reason why it won't. Obviously, I'm a lot more bullish now on the Red Sox than I was prior to the start of the season uh, because it looks like Chris Sale has started to figure things out. Uh, Corey Kluber's been better. Um, you know, they're they're going to get James Paxton back this week. Um, you know, a, a lot's going to depend. You know, let's see what happens. You know, I'm really worried about this two-game series in Atlanta. Uh, Nick Pavetta's going to pitch, and Brian Bayo's going to pitch for the Red Sox, and I'm concerned. Look, that Atlanta team right now, outside of Tampa Bay, is the hottest team in baseball. The Braves are 24-11. and 11. Right, I mean, they are they are on fire. They took two out of three from Baltimore. Now, granted, they were all great games. Uh, the two games that Baltimore lost were one-run losses. That's why for Baltimore, you know, they've lost three in a row, two one-run losses, and then they get blanked last night by Tampa. But you know, they, they've played good baseball, twenty-two and thirteen. But I see no reason why all five teams won't finish over 500, which also means that one of them won't make the playoffs, which would be just mind-boggling. Uh, the Orioles and the Rays continue tonight. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, the rookie, will take the mound for the Orioles, and it'll be Zach Eflin to take the mound for Tampa Bay. Eflin's last time out, seven shutout innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And by the way, <laughs> you know, again, you can't even say, well, it's the Pirates, because the Pirates – you know, who blanked the Red Sox or, or took three in a row from the Red Sox early in the season. I was ready to jump off a bridge. Uh, the Pirates continue to win. They won again yesterday 2-0. Uh, Brad Keller pitched a shutout at home, a four-hit shutout, struck out eight, only walked one uh, as they uh, they shut out Colorado 2-0. And uh, they're not going away, at least not yet. Now, you know, talk to me in a month. And that's, you know, one of the things I wonder is, you know, we look at these surprise teams. Who are the biggest surprises in baseball this year? Well, obviously, I think the Pirates would have to be at the top of that list. Now, they've got Milwaukee breathing down their necks. Milwaukee's only a half a game back right now. But the rest of that division stinks. I mean, the Cubs are under 500. Cincinnati is six games under 500. And the St. Louis Cardinals, ladies and gentlemen, are 12 and 24. <coughs> 12 and 24. And what's interesting is, you know, St. Louis, they don't usually boo their own team. And now when they play, there are boos raining down on the field for the St. Louis Cardinals. And you have to wonder, 
if there will be a regime change in St. Louis, will Oliver Marmel survive this? Um, you know, look, they're they're starting to pick things up a little bit. Paul Goldschmidt seems to be coming a lot to life, uh, but their pitching has been atrocious. So, you know, Pittsburgh, will they be will they still be around in a month in first place? Probably not, but they'll still be in the mix. You know, other surprise teams, the Texas Rangers, are they gonna be where they are? They're in first place in the, in the American League West. Will they will they still be there in a month? I think they will. Houston took a big blow this week. Uh Luis Garcia, one of their top pitchers, has to have Tommy John surgery. He is out for the year. Uh, they still obviously don't have Jose Altuve back. So the question for the Astros is can they find somebody else to fill that hole in the rotation? Are they going to go out and have to trade, make some kind of a trade to try to get another arm? Um, and can they, you know, survive till Altuve comes back? And then when Altuve comes back, what kind of conditions is he going to be in? And how far back are they going to be? So I think Texas is still going to be there. Look, they're they're eight games over 500 right now, and they haven't had Corey Seager. Corey Seager is getting ready to come back this week. He begins a rehab assignment, I think, on Thursday. You know, and as long you know, the the big caveat I think with Texas is whatever is going on with Jacob Degrom right now, with, with a little bit of a strain in that forearm, they have got to hope that it doesn't result in surgery. If it does, and he's out for the year, well, then I may have to revise things. But I think right now this team is for real, and they're going to stay there. And the Los Angeles Angels, four games over five hundred. Are they still going to be there in a month? Uh, you know what? They might be. They, their pitching has improved enough, and Otani it may, may single-handedly – I can't believe I'm saying this – may single-handedly carry them into the playoffs. Isn't it funny how, you know, Mike Trout has kind of become the forgotten man with the Angels? How is that, you know, because of what Shohei Otani does? It's like people don't talk about Mike Trout as much anymore. It's like they've got Otani. Oh, yeah, and they also have this guy named Mike Trout. So I think they'll still be there. Uh, One thing I do know, what Tampa Bay is doing is not sustainable. They've won 29 of their first 36. So what are we? We're – we're not. We're about not quite a quarter of a way through the season. All right, so we're probably you know pretty close to the quarter pole mark. We know that's not sustainable because that would mean they would win something like 130 games this year. There's no that that is not going to happen. So you, we know at some point they're going to hit the skids. It's just a matter of how far back is are, is everybody else going to be by the time they do. Uh, the Yankees got a win last night. The Yankees were in danger of falling um, to the 500 mark last night, but they pick up a win thanks to Aaron Hicks, who'd been just atrocious all year. Uh, he had a two-run home run last night. Uh, Gleyber Torres with a big hit. DJ LeMahieu uh, with a two-run shot as well, and the Yankees beat the Oakland Athletics 7-2. If you're a Yankee fan, you can't get too excited because, that's right, it was the Oakland Athletics, folks. You know, people are making a big deal. Nestor Cortez bounces back. Five innings, just two runs. It's the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> you know, uh, you better make hay against the Oakland Athletics. Uh, it'll be Drew Rosinski for the A's today, who has a lofty 7.71 ERA. 
Uh, so you would think it's going to be advantage Yankees again tonight. They've got to sweep this series because if you lose one to the A's, uh, there'll be people jumping off of, uh, of the Empire State Building in New York City. Uh, I'm telling you. It is 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, I mentioned the uh, the Angels. The Angels win last night. They beat the Houston Astros 6-4. to four. Uh, Shohei Otani with a couple of RBI doubles. Uh, Brandon Drury with the go-ahead run batted in in the eighth inning. He had a triple. Uh, Hunter Renfro hit a home run in this one. Um, and, look, Patrick Sandoval wasn't great getting the start for the Angels last night. He'd been decent this season, but he gave up four and seven hits over six and a third last night. You know, he was just okay. Uh, but a good job by the bullpen and uh, some key hitting. And, look, Shoei Otani uh, has a batting average up 301. You know, and uh, we, we know what he's done on the mound. Uh, matter of fact, he is going to pitch – in the game tonight against the Astros, against Framber Valdez. That should be a good one. Valdez 2-4, and four, but he's got a 2-6-0 ERA. Uh, and Otani is 4-0 and with a 2-5-4. He matched his career high with 13 strikeouts last Wednesday at St. Louis. Uh, opponents are hitting 125 against Otani. Look, uh, I know that uh, Aaron Judge... Won the MVP last year. There are a lot of people that thought Otani should have won it. Uh, with what he's doing this year, he's going to win it this year. You know, unless he you know folds. Uh, but there's, I mean, there is nobody right now that moves the needle the way this guy does. Uh, and I will be the first to admit, I, when he came up, I was like, "Hey, look, let's calm down about how good this guy really is." You know, let's everybody, you know, let's you know, the second coming of Babe Ruth, yada yada. Let's calm down about that. Look, uh, I have he is he's converted me. I do I you know it, it's it's a shame to me that he doesn't play um the outfield anymore because of the arm. I get it; they got to protect the pitching arm, and he's just DHing. But the way this guy can hit and what he's doing on the mound is just we will never see the likes of this again. And you could make the case, again, this is something. Hey, look, I'm not saying the guy's Babe Ruth. He's not going to break Babe Ruth's hitting records, okay? But Babe Ruth did not pitch and hit in the same season. Almost never. He was pretty much strictly a pitcher for Boston when he started his career. And then when he went to the Yankees, he was a hitter. Uh, he pitched a, a handful of times for the Yankees in his career when he went over there. So, you know, you can make the case that Shohei Otani is doing something that Babe Ruth never did by doing both in the same season. Uh, and, and, just hand him the MVP. Just you know, and it might be you. May, it may just be. Let's just hand him the MVP every year until he retires. It's just crazy. Uh, the Rangers win again. They beat the Seattle Mariners last night. Uh, solid start by John Gray. Seven innings, struck out eight, didn't walk anybody, gave up just one run. He gave up a home run to Ty France in the first inning, and after that, it was Bupkus. Um, and the Rangers. 
uh, with another victory. Seattle was hoping to get to the 500 mark. Uh, they have struggled. A lot of people thought that they were going to contend. And look, they're still only four and a half back. They're a game under 500. But right now, those top four teams in the in the American League West are bunched up pretty close together. But Texas now with a two-game lead. They've won three in a row, seven of their last ten, and they are not going away. It'll be Andrew Heaney to get the start tonight. Had a rough outing his last time out against Arizona. Gave up three bombs. Uh, it'll be George Kirby uh, making his seventh start of the year for the Seattle Mariners in the game tonight. Uh, Wilson Contreras signed a huge contract with the St. Louis Cardinals to become the heir to Yadi Molina behind the plate. And the St. Louis pitching staff has struggled with him behind the plate. And, you know, whether it's – I don't think it's Wilson Contreras' fault, but – they decided that they're going to move him away from catcher. They've said, look, it's not going to be forever, but we need to figure this out. And uh, Oliver Marmol said, look, we're trying to be proactive with this. And Oliver Marmol's trying to save his job is at the bottom line here. Uh, but the ERA for the pitching staff with their backup catcher, Andrew Knizner, uh, is about a run and a half different. Now, they've thrown 100 more innings than they have uh, – you know, to Contreras, but with Contreras, it's 5.13. Their ERA uh, with their backup is 3.77. So they have decided that for now, Contreras is going to be strictly the DH and will fill in at catcher uh, when they need him to. And uh, to Adam Wainwright's credit, he sat down with Contreras and said, hey, look, you know, it's going to be fine. Uh, you know, and, and said that, you know, basically telling the kid, you know, relax. It's, you know, it's going to be all right. And um, at the end of the day, this is an adjustment period, not just for Contreras with the new team, but with this pitching staff that threw to Yadi Molina, you know, forever. So obviously there are going to be some differences. But to me, this is just a, I don't want to say a desperation move, but damn close for Marmel just trying to save his job. Because, you know, at 12 and 24, I don't know how much longer management is going to sit back and accept this and not have to make a change before there's, before there's a riot. Uh, another guy that could be in trouble um, is the manager in Chicago, the White Sox. Lose again. They got drilled last night. By the Kansas City Royals, for God's sakes, who have single-digit wins. Royals beat them 12-5 to last night. And at some point, you have to wonder if you are White Sox management, you know, and you, know, you made a big change. Tony La Russa stepped down because too old, yada, yada, yada. The White Sox folks are 12-24. and So there could be some changes coming in Major League Baseball dugouts fairly quickly. I think, you know, at the end of the day, the players play, the managers coach, you know, manage, manage. But at sometimes you just need a different voice. And maybe that's happening in Chicago. Uh, as far as St. Louis goes, look, uh, the problem with Marmol is I think he, some of this is he may have lost that clubhouse a little bit. He, he's called out a couple of his players publicly to the press and embarrassed them. And you wonder, you know, if that has become a problem and if there is a morale problem in St. Louis 
as well. And maybe this is one of those cases where a different voice would make a difference. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hey, it's Billy Joel's 74th birthday. And in honor of that, we're going to play a little River of Dreams on the way out. One of my favorite concerts. I saw him at the Boston Garden uh, back when I was in college. Great show. Um, he plays. He still plays, uh, you know, regular basis. He plays at Madison Square Garden like every Saturday night. Uh, I'd love to see him again, but uh, my days of going to big arena shows are over. But uh, happy birthday, Billy. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.